Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice... Can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast, a podcast where we explore topics on Buddhist meditation and maintaining a meditation practice amidst living in a busy world. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Eaching Divination, the Six Coin Method. The I Ching, or the Book of Changes, is an ancient study of yin and yang energies. The ancient Chinese looked to the I Ching to study the cycles in nature and human lives. In this episode, we learn how to ask questions, throw coins, and receive wisdom from the I Ching. Today we are joined by Andy Cho. Andy is a creator of holistic spaces, specifically focused on designing interiors and teaching feng shui and meditation. She is the author of Holistic Spaces, 108 Ways to Create a Mindful and Peaceful Home. Since 1999, she has been designing beautiful and nourishing spaces, inner and outer, with balance and harmony, informed by the ancient practice of feng shui and meditation. Her focus is to create nurturing and supportive environments, tailoring her practice to each individual's specific needs. Angie is the owner of Andy Cho Architect, the co-founder of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School, and founder of Holistic Spaces, which hosts a blog, podcast, and online store. She is also a teacher of Dharma arts and meditation in the Shambhala Buddhist lineage and for Dharma Moon. The Meditation in the City podcast is hosted by the Shambhala Meditation Center of New York. Here's Angie to take away the discussion. So um, I've been involved with uh, the Shambhala Center in Los Angeles, and they have something called the Creativity Lab every month. And it's much more like it's more creative. And um, so they asked me to do something and I uh, decided to do this presentation. And then shortly thereafter, uh, New York Shambhala asked me to do a talk too. So, so um, you know, it's interesting because one of the my one of the things that I really love about Shambhala is really this connection with the arts, whether that's um, visual art or musical art, or you know, even divination and feng shui is really involved with all of the ways of looking at our spiritual lives and. The one thing I really love about bringing Dharma arts and arts into my meditation practice and seeing them as integrated, um, I realized just recently was just how it makes me really think about space and time. And that interesting intersection of when you start meditating or when you meditate, how time can seem really long and then it could seem really short. Like I went to the in-person sit on Sunday for the center and the t- time seemed to fly by so quickly. 
And it was so pleasurable. I was saying it felt like, you know, when, and you know how it's really hot in New York right now and just coming back from a, being out all day and taking a nice cool shower. And that's how refreshing it felt to be in practice with people. And then looking back at other times where just even like 20 minutes was grueling and you're just waiting for the timekeeper to hit the bell and to, for it to end. And also how these art practices um, time could go. So time just didn't exist when I do these art practices. And then the I Ching also looks at time in a few different ways. Like how is, how does time, what can we learn from this moment in time and how could we be present in this moment? And what can this moment in time tell us about the future or our present situation? and possible outcomes. So that's just a lot of what we'll explore tonight. So today um, I'm gonna talk first about uh, what is the I Ching in case you're not familiar with it and talk about the foundation of um, Taoism which is yin and yang and the hexagrams and that how that all tells us about the I Ching and then I'll talk about divining from the I Ching Oracle and we'll learn a really simple method. And then I'll teach you a six, a more, a slightly more complicated method, which is six coin method that I've learned from my, my feng shui teachers. And then we'll save any time at the end for questions. So um, what is the I Ching? So the I Ching is an ancient Chinese text and it is, um, in a way, it's a guidebook for living, and it comes from Taoism, which the Tao is the way, and it looks at um, the unfolding of nature. The Tao is the way of nature and the way that we move through life. And um, the early Chinese believed that humans were influenced by the ways of heaven, earth, and humanity. And if you, uh, even in feng shui, we look at like different shapes and visuals like your, uh, and symbols. And for instance, head is, a, uh, sorry, heaven is a circle, like your head is shaped like a circle. And earth is square. Like if you look down at your feet put together on the earth, they form a square, right? So, um, uh, and this is even shown in Chinese coins that the circle and then the square cut out. So the ancient Chinese really looked at like, how can we connect heaven and earth? And this is reflected in so many of the ancient Asian disciplines. And you'll see how they're reflected in the lines in the I Ching. Um, heaven, earth, and humanity is reflected in other practices like feng shui. For instance, like in feng shui, heaven is the ceiling and earth is the floor. Uh, in flower arranging, you arrange the flowers in heaven, earth, and humanity, and they mean different things. Uh, even in tea ceremony, which I study also, um, there's different types of vows that like one is more, more like heaven related than shin. So um, there's uh, many different ways that these, concepts are celebrated and examined. 
So the I Ching is called the Book of Changes. So the idea is that everything is always changing. And nothing is solid. And that's what we talk about a lot in Buddhism, right? Like that you don't have a solid self and um, that we really, um, that suffering comes from trying to grasp things and keep things solid and fixed. And so the I Ching really celebrates this constant change and movement that we see in our lives and how um, there's a lot of interdependence when we uh, acknowledge that, that, that when we change, the environment around us changes and our relationships change. Everything is in relationship to each other. Even like with the, the flower arranging, right? Everything is, every piece of material, every flower is arranged in relationship to something else. And one of the main concepts in uh, the I Ching and in Feng Shui and in Taoism is this idea of yin and yang. And so you may be familiar with this symbol. The, I call it the Tai Chi symbol. And it uh, is, um, you know, a lot of people have like tattoos of it. It's very popular, right? And so um, what most people don't know is that it's not a two-dimensional image. It's, it's a symbol that you have to depict in a two-dimensional way, but really it's three-dimensional and moving. So this shape is constantly getting larger and smaller. Each teardrop, if the white teardrop gets larger, this black teardrop gets smaller, it's spinning around, it's getting bigger and um, expanding and contracting. So again, it's always changing. And the black, the larger black, black teardrop represents the greater yin. And the little um, dot within the greater yin is the little yang. And then the white teardrop is the greater yang. And the dot in the center is the black dot is the little yin. And so while it may seem that yin and yang are about duality, it's also really the, the, like the ultimate like non-binary because it acknowledges that one cannot exist without the other, that one exists only in relationship to the other. There, uh, as, there could be no yin without yang. And yin, only yin or yang only exists in relationship to each other. So it's this um, paradoxical duality. It's yes and. One cannot exist without the other. You can't have darkness without brightness. You can't have feminine without masculine. Heaven and earth, moon and the sun. All of these things are uh, in relationship to the other. And one can't exist without the other. And there's also, um, you know, different uh, gradations and levels. Like, so in the winter, you could be cold in your apartment and then even colder outside. So maybe the colder outside is more yin than the colder inside, right? But they're both cold. And um, so 
you can't, you can't have one without the other side of it. So the I Ching looks at the same duality, yin and yang, with it's represented with these symbols, a broken line and a solid line. So yin is a broken line and yang is a solid line. So on the left, we have yin and yang. And then the next, in the middle, we have here a trigram. So there's three lines. And um, the three lines actually represent heaven, humanity, and earth. And it doesn't, the heaven, humanity, earth, and earth don't necessarily relate to the yin yang or the, the yin line or the yang line. I just, you know, put a line there. So it could go either way. It's just the position of it. Um, like the top line in a trigram is the heaven line. The bottom line is earth line, just like how I said in your house, like in feng shui, your ceiling is heaven and the floor is earth. Or just like on your body, your head or the circle is heaven and your feet are earth. Or just like the feet under, you know, the ground under you is flat and earth and supports you. And then the heavens open up above you. So there's so many, um, you know, micro or macro ways to look at it, which again echoes this idea, concept of yin and yang. And then um, in the I Ching, we use, we double up trigrams. So you bring two trigrams together to create a hexagram and hex is, refers to the six lines. And each line, just so you know, is called a yao. And you start at the bottom, the first yao, the second, and you move up. So it starts at the bottom and moves up. So the top line would be the sixth yao. So this is like the, this is the symbolic structure of, of uh, the I Ching. And it's interesting because it's also related to like, um, like binary code, right? like computers off and on zero and one. So this is like constantly re repeated in our, um, in our human lives. And so the ancient Chinese went even further with this. Um, and you see at the bottom here, we have the yin and yang symbol, the Tai Chi symbol, and then yang and yin, and then they can be divided up into the different elements as well as different seasons. And then further, to more, uh, more elements and different aspects. And so those top eight trigrams are what um, make up the I Ching. And also these trigrams are the same trigrams that you would see in the Feng Shui Bagua map. And um, so you work with these uh, main characters, these symbols. So Anne just asked, are the um, certain Yao's lines yang and yin no it can change so you see like um in chen the first one on the top left chen is three solid lines three yang lines yin metal is yang yang yin because you start at the bottom so the last slide i just should, picked arbitrary yin or yang lines although if we got more complicated there is like a proper position for each hexagram, but um, I'm not gonna go there. Yeah, that's, yeah, you just asked, and yes, there's a proper position, but I'm. this is like a beginner class, so we're not gonna go there. 
So uh, yeah, I want to keep it simple. So divining from the I Ching Oracle. So one way that you can think about um, how you can, like, why would you divine or how can you divine from something? And divining uh, may be kind of thought as fortune telling, but I, I don't look at it that way. In fact, I don't try to look at, like, try to predict the future because the future is, everything's always changing. So you, there could be a, a probable outcome at this moment, but that doesn't mean you don't have the free will to change the direction of that outcome or things can happen. But there could be something that uh, you can glean from the I Ching that can tell you, give you more information about what's happening at the moment that can inform you about what steps to take next. So um, that's how I use the I Ching as an oracle because um, we will take, with the I Ching, you take us a moment in time. We talked about time earlier, time and space, and you take a specific moment, which is when you decide to throw your coins or uh, you know, ask your question. And each moment contains part of the whole. And there's, again, this balance of the macro micro, this um, small question you ask can resonate out more. And you can see how it affects your whole being and how it trickles into other areas of your life or also bring it back to something very specific. And this relates to the patterns in nature and in life. And it's also related to auspicious coincidence. And I even think about it, like if we want to bring it back to meditation, I remember one time I was at a weekend and we met, you know, we've been meditating for a long time. And then we all got in the subway and I would say it was probably my most delightful sub subway ride ever. Because, I don't know. It was just so fascinating because I had um, slowed down so much that I could experience my travel on the subway and be curious about what was around me and look around. And it was fascinating. And I remember like seeing like a billboard and then it was just like, wow, that really spoke to me. So, and that's, it's just very similar like that. It's like, if you could stop, formulate some kind of, um, have curiosity about what's happening around you. So slowing down enough so you could start to see the messages that the phenomenal world wants to tell you that, you know, um, I think, I don't remember, I don't have the exact quote that Shogun Trungpa said, like, there's so many things that the world wants to tell you, but we're just moving so quickly that we are completely ignoring all these offerings that are right in front of us. So this is one way that you can start to practice slowing down, stopping, and, and understanding. And if you've ever opened up an I Ching book, it's pretty esoteric. So, so really, like, you're not going to get a straightforward answer from a book. So a lot of this is also based on your interpretation. And it's based on what is happening for you in that moment as you read that whatever, whatever trigram or hexagram that you receive. 
which is exactly the same as like walking into like what I do when I walk into um, a meditation room or a sit session with people, I go in and then I stop and I feel like, how does the air feel? How does, um, what am I leaving? What am I coming into? What's the atmosphere energy in the room? And I remember I was at one meditation retreat where someone said something really fascinating. Like by the end of the week, we had all been mindfully eating together. And he was saying how wonderful this apple was. And he didn't realize like one apple could have so many different like flavors. Like it could be tart on one, one bite could be tart, one bite could be sweeter. And it's about like paying attention to what is around you. So this is what the eating can teach you by in a really small way. Like how can you stop Maybe you've received this hexagram, you open up the book, and what does that say to you? And that's about connecting to your intuition and opening your eyes and becoming awake. So guidelines for um, consulting the Oracle is to, uh, and this goes for like, any kind of oracle um, modality you might use, if you're familiar with tarot, or um, is to be humble and to avoid frivolous concerns. One of my teachers said that her teacher said that if you want to ask the I Ching a question, you need to write it down and leave it on your shrine for 30 days. And so I'm not saying you need to do that, but it's like, um, be, don't, don't ask frivolous things. Um, but you could place your um, question, your formulated question on your shrine and give it some time and see if it's really important to ask, if it's necessary, if it's helpful to ask. And um, ask only one question at a time. And be very simple and clear because your words are very important. You're, you're going to get the answer. You're going to be, you're going to get the answer for what you ask for. So if you haven't formulated your question, clearly you're not going to receive exactly the clearest answer. And then also be spacious and open and allow, um, allow whatever to arise to arise. And you absolutely would want to definitely take time to sit and meditate before. Uh, I encourage you to write down your question, putting it in the earth realm, not just in your head, not just in the heaven realm. And, and if you're just starting, you can start by asking for advice. So, um, questions what kind of questions can you ask? You can ask personal questions, business situations you can ask about the weather you can ask about understanding the energy of a situation i would avoid yes or no questions as a beginner um and um rather you want to ask qualitative questions your sincerity and focus are the most important and it's also helpful if you are a little bit specific like and I'll give you examples, um, but ask for specific dates or time periods. 
And my pro tip is to keep a list of sample questions in your book, which is what I have. And I'm going to share my sample questions with you on the next slide. So, but I have a little cheat sheet. So here's some sample questions. What is the nature of the situation, dot, dot, dot? What are the issues involved with blank that can be addressed and improved today? Um, like for instance, I teach this, I teach I Ching to my feng shui students and I, you know, they can ask like, especially like with something like feng shui, you can ask what are the issues involved with Bobby today that can be addressed and improved in his consultation? Or like uh, last time when I taught this for LA, there was an acupuncturist that I knew that came. So, you know, maybe if she was really stumped with like one of her clients, like what are the issues involved with like my client today that can be ad addressed and improved? If, if um, and this is of course, like in addition to what you would pick up normally, right? From, from like what they tell you, but it's a way to kind of read between the lines. And uh, another other sample questions, how will it affect my relationship with dot, dot, dot? Uh, how will it affect my relationship with, with so-and-so if I do so-and-so? How to, what's the best time to, what do I do? What if I, what is the best course of action? What if I go ahead? What will be the outcome? What is the best way to, what can I expect? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then I would add like that time period in the next six months. So what is like, what can I expect if I take this job or leave this job in the next six months or something, you know, because otherwise there's like this huge like gap of time that is like, you know, arbitrary. So really kind of be specific. So uh, in using the, I Ching as an oracle, you can also like keep it really simple and you could just do a daily divination to understand the energy of the day and then simultaneously understand the energy of the hexagram. So I'm going to teach you one way that you could just do that really simply without coins. Um, you can actually read the hexagrams in order from one to 64. And because there's 64 hexagrams and um, you can keep a journal of each hexagram you re receive and when they occurred and what happened that day. Like I keep a journal of like in my one of my I Ching books, I note like what what hexagram I receive and I note if it was for me or if it was for a client. Just so it's interesting to see how like how often I I uh, receive that hexagram. And you can absolutely journal about it, but it's interesting to like pull, to have a to get a hexagram and just either it could be at the beginning of the day telling you about how that you know what kind of energy that day holds for you, or maybe um, at the end of the day like help you reflect upon what's happened that day. Uh, so one super easy way is to just randomly open the book to see what presents itself. And that's what I'm going to explain in a second. And then, and you can even do that with any book. Like you, like I have a, a friend that does that with um, a poetry book. Like she does a random poetry, 
you, she'll you know she'll just have you pick a number and then open it up to a a poem and see what that offers for you that day. And um, I look at it as a, also a way to connect connect deeper with the Tao, with feng shui and my other practices, and to understand the five elements. Like one of the reasons why I teach this to my feng shui students is because I can understand the hexagrams, the five elements, they can understand feng shui better, they can understand their situations better, they slow down, there's so many different um, benefits to it. I'm going to go ahead and share with you the way that I was taught from my feng shui teachers. Um, and so this is kind of a modified simple version, and then I'll teach you the six coin method that my um, feng shui teachers taught me. So we always start with the heart calming mantra, which you may recognize from the heart sutra. And so I'd love if you could uh, sit with me and do this. And it's very simple. You just repeat the mantra nine times. So I will just, I'll be the only one unmuted and you could, you could chant along if you like. Gate gate, paragate, parasam gate, bodhiswaha, gate gate, paragate, parasam gate, bodhiswaha, gate gate, paragate, parasam gate, bodhiswaha. 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 Gate gate, paragate, parasam gate. So this is the heart calming mantra and we always start with the heart calming mantra and um, my teachers would say it's a way to kind of get out of your head and into your heart and it's it's a, it's a way to create a little bit of a gap instead of running everything in with everything you do, just rushing and, and mixing everything together. So creating a little bit of space. And then you can practice the random page method by you know, meditating, chanting the heart coming mantra nine times, which is the seed mantra for the heart sutra. And then my teachers would say to look up to the heavens and visualize your own heart's deity is entering your body to answer your question. 
And then you would say your question out loud and then open to a random page. So, so for all of us, I'm gonna just uh, do a random page divination for us and see what anyone who's on the call now or whenever you're watching, like what can we learn about our, uh, what's in the energy of today? Whatever moment you're coming to this right now, whether it's later or right now or later virtually or right now virtually, whatever it is. So I'll look up to the heavens and visualize my own heart's deity centering my heart and uh, um, I'll ask what can we receive and learn from the energy today and so I'll open my I Ching book to a random page and I received hexagram 37 and I'll just read it out I'll just summarize a little bit of it but it a hexagram 37 is wind over fire and and actually this isn't I have a list a list of books I recommend I Ching books but this one is the complete I Ching from master Alfred Huang which is a great one if you really if you're more visual because they um because he lists all the um, characters or the pictograms or ideograms and describes them. So for um, hexagram 37, it's called household. And it shows, um, it means like family and person, and it denotes all the members of the family. So maybe we're all a family here together right now. And also any kind of like community and it also uh, represents the ethics or the morals or the values of a family. And so it goes on to say that this Hua represents a harmonious family and there's warmth and harmony. And when people are together, they touch the ground, like they, um, they connect to earth. So there's this importance of um, honoring your family or your community and maintaining harmony and having mutual respect in any circumstances. So you, also, you can all decide what that means for you. But it means something for me, I think, especially with Shambhala. Okay. So um, let's go to that. Yes, the next slide. So one thing to remember is that when you read these, um, read some of these books, especially the Wilhelm Baines book, which is like a yellow book that I feel like everyone over 60 has. Um, 
So uh, I've been given a, quite a few of them and that's the most like esoteric one. So, um, so it's not going to be straightforward. So you really need to get out of your head and it's not going to just tell you what things are. You're going to have to interpret it and, and into your heart and understand that, um, doing an oracle reading is not something that you can learn from a book it's not something that you can learn like in a western way of doing like see one do one teach one but it's really that this the books are there to assist you and guide you but it's about practicing over and over again and understanding that a lot of these practices just like meditation too you can't really learn it from a book you have to practice it right you can't just read about it it's, it's about practicing and, and um, actually experiencing it. So, so that's one very simple way that you can engage with the I Ching. And then, so now I'll share, we go to the next slide, Bobby, the six coin method. And so this was um, a practice that I understand that my, um, my root teacher, Professor uh, Lin Yun, from BT, he was the founder of BTB Feng Shui, which is the Feng Shui to teach and practice. Um, I understand he's the only one that teaches this or that taught this method. And in fact, it's the only, like, really only coin method that I've ever learned. There's um, so there's many ways to divine using the I Ching, and there's you could use heuristics. There's plum blossom divination. You can use three coins, eight coins. You can use no book. My, some of my teachers, um, they, you know, once you really understand the elements and um, yin and yang, you could even read uh, just the trigrams without the book. But uh, the most, I don't think the method is most, uh, what is the most important. The most important thing is your interpretation and what you receive from it, your experience of it. So to do the, six coin method, you would need six coins. So you get five coins of a similar size and then one, one that's different. So like you could get five pennies and one dime or five dimes and one penny and you'll need a translation of the I Ching. And my, my current favorite one, which is not the one I just used, is the I Ching workbook by R.L. Wing. And that's and it's good for beginners because it's, I find it's the least esoteric one. And then you need like a pen and paper. For the six coin method, you need six coins total. I realized my last slide said five, which is confusing, but no, you need six coins total, five of one kind and one different in kind of similar sizes. And um, the different the unique thing about the six coin method is that you receive only one changing line because my teacher said that professor linyan said that it's life is already really complicated we only need one possible outcome so with the, some of those other methods you can get many changing lines so with the six coin method you would hold the six coins in your hand and similar to the random page method, you would chant the heart coming mantra or meditate. You know, you could chant another mantra. That's just the one that my teachers taught. 
And then again, you look up to the heavens and visualize your own heart's deity is entering your heart to um, that um, you're embodying a deity to answer the question that you're not answering the question. And then you would say the question out loud. And then you shake the coins in your hand and then you toss them. Or if you don't like to be messy like me, I stack them in my hand because <laughs> I used to toss them and they'd go all over the table um, or fall off the table. So you can also just shake them in your hand and then place them in a stack on the table in front of you. And so if you toss them, the, the coin closest to you is the bottom line of the hexagram. And then the next one is the second and so forth. Um, and if you're stacking them, the bottom line is the, is the bottom of the stack. And like the top line would be the top coin of the stack. So heads, the heads, if you get heads, it's yang or ta and tails, it's yin. And then the the coin that's different, the odd size coin or the the diff the one the one that's different indicates the changing line. So the next slide shows an example. So here's where I tossed um, six coins, and you could see the bottom penny. Well, it's hard to see, but it's a tails. And that's the one closest to you, right? So the bottom of the table, if, this, if you were looking at it, sitting at a table. And the next one is heads. So, so on the left side, I drew the line. So, the, so let's go back. So the first coin on the bottom is tails. So I drew a yin line, the broken line for the bottom line on that. We're only looking at the hexagram on the left. And then the second coin is heads. So I drew a solid line for yang. And then the next one up is tails. So then I drew a yin line for the third yao. And then, so it's hard to tell, you have to be very careful when you toss them. So I, so the, the fourth yao is the, the fourth coin or the fourth line is tails. So I drew a yin line for tails, the broken line. And then the fifth is the, is head, so it's a solid line. And then the top yao, the sixth yao, top line, the top coin is the different one, the dime, and it's heads. So the different one, I usually just put an X through the middle. And then, then so that represents, the, that's your present situation, the hexagram you received. That tells you about your present situation. And then the changing line on the right it indicates a possible outcome. And so what, in order to get the hexagram on the right, everything stays the same except for the changing line. So, which was the dime, right? So the sixth Yao was heads. So on the left side, the first hexagram, it's Yang, and then you change it to the opposite, which is yin. So the second hexagram, the outcome hexagram, it, the top line is not yang, it's yin. And then the next step is at the back of every uh, I Ching book is a 
similar table like this one, and you look up the corresponding trigram um, based on, uh, or you look up the trigrams for both hexagrams. So the first trigram, like I told you, or sorry, the first hexagram is the present situation and the changing line, the hexagram with the second, the second hexagram with the changing line shows a possible, out, possible outcome. So you would refer to this to find out what, um, what hexagram you received. So like for instance, the bottom trigram on the bottom left corner or the bottom, yeah, trigram, the first three lines, is water, so it's yin, yang, yin. And then the top trigram is wind, which is yin, yang, yang. So then you look for water is yin, yang, yin. So yin, yang, yin is yin, yang, yin. It's the third one down on the left side next to that six. And then the uh, wind is yin, yang, yang. So you look at the top row. So yin, yang, yang is the trigram above nine. So you, so you go, you connect the row that starts with six and the, and the, the column that starts with nine, and then you end up at 59. That's how you find it. And then um, you do the same thing with the hexagram on the right. So I think like it's, so one thing that you should do also with your books. So when you, when you get your I Ching book, you should definitely, um, just like we would in Shambhala, consider it a sacred text, especially if you're using it for divination. So you wouldn't put this, you wouldn't put your I Ching book on the floor. You wouldn't like put it on your desk and pile a bunch of things on top of it. You wouldn't put your cup of water on top of it or your coffee on top of it. You want to um, really like only use it for divination and, and consider it a sacred object. And so if you purchase a secondhand book, which you know I certainly do, in fact, my first teaching book was this one, and uh, it was secondhand. And so my feng shui teachers taught me how to clear it of any um, predecessor cheese. So you can do that too. Like there's different ways you can leave it out in the sunlight. Um, you can, you know, use different practices to clear it, sage or botanical or juniper. But um, definitely you want to clear any secondhand books of any predecessor chi energy. And then it's also helpful to keep it uh, high. So you want to keep it in, like if you, uh, in, a, in, a heaven, in the heaven realm. So um, a, at eye level or higher. So not low. Keep it high in your bookshelf. And um, if you can, you can wrap it in silk or put it in, in a special cloth, like in feng shui, we say a red cloth. So it's, it's separate and you're, you're um, make, you know, you're creating, you're not mixing it in with everything else. And with your coins, it's kind of the same thing. So with your coins, you want to, the coins may have passed through many hands. 
So you want to clear them as well and, and no longer use them for any kind of mundane purpose. And so you can clear them by maybe putting them in a bowl of salt water or leaving them out in moonlight or sunlight. And then don't use those coins for anything else. Like don't use it to unscrew, uh, I don't know, <laughs> your doorknob or whatever. So um, did I have a slide on that? I thought I did, but I didn't know where it went. I don't know. Um, so uh, you want to, oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so you want to, um, yeah, clear the coins and don't, so with the coins in the book, you want to maybe protect them, put them in, put it in a, like a red cloth if you can, or a separate pouch, the coins, and don't use them for any other purposes and don't place them on the floor. And the same goes for like any kind of Dharma materials too. Yeah, so just a reminder, like, you know, this, how can you use the I Ching? You can um, keep it simple and just do, just look at it daily. But the unfolding of the I Ching follows the unfolding of life. So there's something to also be learned from just reading them in order. And um and I encourage you to practice and see what you can learn from it if you're interested in this. So are there any questions? Yeah, I, um, I teach Tai Chi. So a lot of the energy in yang and elements familiar to me, but this was the first time I've ever learned about the I Ching. So it gave it a whole other dimension. It was very cool. I think you explained it very nicely. Oh, in the time you. that you had, it seems as though it's rather uh, complicated, but um, yeah, it's something that I can, you can start with. Yeah, I always try to teach things pretty simply because I'd rather people do something with it than right. get overwhelmed and right. confused. And but that's great. I, yeah, that's great. You teach Tai Chi. I used to take a Tai Chi class like, or go, uh, someone taught at South Street Seaport and but I'm so uncoordinated <laughs> and I'm better at Qigong. Yeah. Yeah. I, Qigong like, and left, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everyone loves Qigong. It's a lot easier. So yeah. So uh, yeah, it was great. Thank you. Yeah. I love Tai Chi. I'm just like, it's, I'm just like not like, well, I mean, but you, but you, there you know you do get there and uh, especially with qigong it's a lot easier you don't have to link everything together you're just doing individual movements you get the form of moving smoothly and then you work your way into the form as well so yeah, yeah you can't like you said you can't dismiss it you know because you say oh uh, i have a certain thought of how i can or can't do it right so um, give it another try. Yeah. And I'm sure in Tai Chi, they tie in the elements, right? Like, yeah. Go ahead. I like to do a seasonal Qigong. And so that has the elements throughout the year. It connects to the different organs of the body. You know, it seems to make a lot of sense that way. Wonderful. I love it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, we invite you to leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. 
Shambhala NYC also offers a variety of meditation courses for meditators of all levels. Check out our upcoming programs at shambhalanyc.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.